Good morning, everyone, and happy Thursday, November 17th. I'm Adam Wright. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven live on Covenant Network, and it is good to be with you this morning. It's just a... uh, Oh, it's a great morning. It was a great night last night. Let's let's pray, and then we'll get into everything that's just so great about today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. Through the mercy of God, may the souls of the faithful departed rest in peace. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All I have to say, St. Louis City 2, Bear Leverkusen at the St. Louis City Park Soccer Stadium. That was my night last night, the first match at our brand-new MLS stadium here in St. Louis. And, you know, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. Soccer is fun. But I want to come back to this later. And I just got to tell you I was there um, because – well, we'll get back to that later. Let, let me tell you what's on the show this morning. On the show this morning, we continue talking with Doug Barry. We're also going to hear from Father Wade Menezes about purgatory and about why it's so important to pray for the souls in purgatory. It's a conversation he was we were able to have the other day, and we're going to bring you part of that. Also, uh, we've got the catechism. We, we, we've got a lot for you on the show today. Anyway, the reason I'm so excited about soccer this morning, I've never been to a soccer match like this before. I've only been to my kids' soccer matches. And down in the what, what I learned was the supporter section at the one end of the stadium behind the goal, there were you know, probably 15, 20 people just with drums, beating these drums all night long and cheering. It, it wasn't like any other sport I've been to where when something good happens, you start cheering or, you know, in baseball when there's you know, the great player coming up to bat and you have that chance for that rally, everybody starts clapping or periodically you'll hear the charge cheer. No, this was nonstop the entire night, no matter how dire it was, no matter how bleak it looked, the team was down 3-0. The cheering section kept cheering and beating those drums as loud as loud could be. And I thought, you know... I wonder if that's what it's like for those souls that are praying for us, that are interceding for us from heaven every day when you and I go out to live that life of holiness, that excitement for every time we do something that puts us on the path to sainthood and that belief in us every time we mess up if we get up and we try and we go to that sacrament of reconciliation. And I just cannot get this out of my head. I wish I could play it for you. I wish I could take you there. But as you go throughout your day today, I want you to know that we have a God that loves you and we have saints and your guardian angels who are cheering for you nonstop to get to heaven. A lot to cover today on Roadmap to Heaven, so let's get into it. Let's go to Mike Roberts for the weather. Temperatures are going to be running about 20 degrees below normal now through the weekend. But there is very good news for next week. Monday through Wednesday, fair skies, highs in the mid-50s. 
on Thanksgiving, rain is likely with a high near 50. In the shorter term, mostly sunny with a high of 38 today. Lows in the low 20s under clear skies tonight. Friday, mostly sunny, a high just barely at 32. And Friday night, overnight lows fall into the upper teens. Then comes the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Fair skies both days. Both days, highs will be near 40 degrees. Today is the feast day of St. Elizabeth of Hungary. Born at the beginning of the 13th century in what is now Slovakia, she was the daughter of King Andrew II and Queen Gertrude. At the age of 14, Elizabeth was married to Louis of Thuringia, a family that ruled central Germany. Though the marriage had been arranged since she was the age of four, she and Louis had a great love for one another. Elizabeth bore three children and developed a deep love for the Lord. She also had a great devotion to St. Francis of Assisi and used her influence to give extensively to the poor. Her husband, Louis, supported her completely in her charity. She built a hospital with 28 beds and would often visit them and those in prison. In 1227, Louis answered a call to go and serve in the Sixth Crusade but died along the way. After Louis's death, his family accused Elizabeth of squandering the royal purse on the poor and threw her out of the palace. However, when Louis's forces returned from the Crusades, they reinstated her. In 1228, she joined the secular order of the Franciscans and went to work in the hospital she'd founded. But soon her own health began to decline, and at the age of just 24, beloved by all of her subjects, she died on this day in 1231. St. Elizabeth of Hungary, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Saint Ignatius of Loyola's Prayer Against Depression O oh Christ Jesus, when all is darkness and we feel our weakness and helplessness, give us the sense of your presence, your love, and your strength. Help us to have perfect trust in your protecting love and strengthening power so that nothing may frighten or worry us. For, living close to you, we shall see your hand, your purpose, your will through all things. Amen. This week we have been talking with Doug Barry about spiritual warfare as we prepare for a good and holy death. And as we launch into today's, I want to start with this. Uh, go to confession regularly. I have a feeling we're going to talk about that today, but go to confession regularly. It's a great way to engage in the battle for your soul. Because if you knew the hour that you were going to die, you could put it off until the hour before that. But you know what? I don't know. You don't know. Doug doesn't know. So let's get into some good disciplines. Now, Doug, I understand that there are a lot of people sometimes, they hear this for the first time and they're fired up. They're ready to go. And that's good, but it's not enough. We have to be disciplined as we engage in the spiritual battle for our souls. You know, I've been traveling and speaking for going on 33 years now, all over the country, outside the country. I've given hundreds of talks, presentations, parish missions, conferences from groups of 50 people to 10,000. And I can tell you, you give a presentation, you give a talk, and I've been there myself where I've heard the presentation, the talk. And boy, you're excited. You're just, you're ready to go. And and then a day goes by. Yeah, you're still kind of feeling it. Two days, three days go by. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, it was nice. It was a good talk. 
And you can bring this up with people. How, how long does that fire last? And most people will say, well, it lasts for a little while and then it starts to wane. And that's just the way things go. Inspiration is like emotion. It comes and it goes, it fades. Discipline is different. Now, the inspirational moment should move us to a disciplined life, to changing of, of, of habits so that we can be in a state of existence that is simply healthier, better. In general, that should be our attitude about these things. I go to this conference, I go to this talk, I listen to this radio program because I want to be fired up, yes, but I also want to learn something so that when it's over, I can apply it, I can engage in it. And then I'm, I'm, I'm living a better way now that isn't based on emotion. You know, and St. Ignatius writes a lot about, about desolation and consolation, the, the discernment of spirits. And I really recommend people look into St. Ignatius' discernment of spirits. He talks a lot about the difference of consolation and desolation. And there's this emotional connection. There's this piece here that the enemy will use against us. Well, you could say that being inspired and fired up is an emotional moment of consolation. That's great. But then what we do with it at that moment is so critical. There's an old saying from, you know, combat vets, and I've talked with a couple about this. I'm not a combat veteran myself, but I, I know several, and they will tell you that if you're in a foxhole in the middle of a war and there are bullets whizzing by, who do you want with you? What do you want in that foxhole? You want the disciplined soldier, not the fired up, excited soldier. Now, again, the inspiration, the fired up can help, but I want the guy who knows how to operate in combat, who knows how to deal with that, that situation, knows strategy, knows tactical work, maneuvers, and does it free from being caught up in emotion. So if we're going to train up, we have to first and foremost, and there's so much we can get into on training, but let's first and foremost establish this. We have to understand that there's, there's, there's an emotional component to who we are. Focus on the discipline, everybody. Let's develop the discipline, the daily habits of prayer, regular, regular reception of confession, yeah, I've been going to confession every couple of weeks, sometime every week, depending on how the week is going, you know, for years and years. And I think, Adam, you probably know it's St. John Paul II. They say went almost every day, you know, because he was such a really bad guy. No, 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 not that, because he was such an amazing man who understood the beauty of the good, holy habit of confession. Daily rosary. And when I pray the rosary, Adam, I don't know about you, but I don't always feel amazing about it. I don't always have that ah, sort of feeling going on. Normally, I feel like that, that, that pounding on the door, that, that scraping on the pavement. I mean, in other words, even when you're dry and empty, you do it because it's the disciplined way of accomplishing what is right. So everybody, we've got to focus on the disciplined behavior and developing the good, holy, beautiful practices that the church gives us of prayer and sacraments and do it, do it with an attitude of this is simply the right thing to do, whether I feel great about it or not. Indeed. I go back to Fatima every time and the Blessed Mother saying, do this. Why? Because she wanted all the glory and honor? No, because she wants us to go to heaven. She knows that if we pray the rosary every day, if we make that first Saturday devotion and go to confession at least once a month on the mm. first Saturday, and we strive to live in that state of grace, that the more we do these things, the more we live out these disciplines, the closer we will be to her son, mm -hmm. and we're going to be protected. And and that's really what it's all about here, is getting close to God and his protection, because if we're engaging in spiritual warfare based on what Adam Wright and Doug Berry can do, congratulations, we just lost. <laughs> that's exactly right. And I would really want to encourage people to remember that 
you will have different stages, different rounds, if you will, of the fight. Round one may be this, round two may be this. By the time you get to round eight, nine, or 10, you're going to be in a different mode, a different state of, of, of fighting. In each of these rounds, these different chapters of life, these stages of life that you go through, your, your spiritual warfare will change a little bit. But the consistency of the discipline of these basics of prayer and sacraments, like you said, Adam, it's not what Adam can do or Doug can do. It's what Christ can do, what our blessed mother can do, St. Joseph can do when we get on our knees, when we turn to prayer, when we get to adoration, when we get to mass faithfully, consistently, confession, the basics, wear the brown scapular, get enrolled in it, use blessed salt, use blessed holy water, exercise as best. Use these very amazing and well-proven spiritual weapons that Christ gives us to the church. Be disciplined in it. Discipline wins the victory. All right. Well, Doug, this has been a great day. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about why it is so important that we engage in all of this. If we, if we haven't convinced you yet, you know, uh, you got to tune in tomorrow. That's all I'm going to say. You got to tune in tomorrow. <laughs> Until then, Doug, you have a great day. You too, brother. Prayer in a time of waiting. All powerful and ever living God, guard our churches, our homes, our schools, our hospitals, our factories, and all the places where we gather. Deliver us from harm and peril. Protect our land and the peoples from enemies within and without. Grant an early peace with victory founded upon justice instill in the hearts and minds of men and women everywhere a firm purpose to live forever in peace and goodwill toward all. This we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. It's always a treat to talk with Father Wade Menezes, and Father, it's good to be with you today. Well, thank you, Adam. It's always good to be back with you. I love the season of the year. We're getting ready for Advent. We're getting ready soon after that for Christmas. But let's not lose sight of the fact that we're still in the month of November, the month that we remember the Holy Souls. And that's what we're talking about today, Father. I, I know this is a topic you've written a lot about. So where would we like to begin talking about the Holy Souls in Purgatory today? Well, we begin with sacred scripture, that it is a holy and pious practice to pray for the dead, as Second Maccabees tells us. Remember, the church teaches very, very beautifully the three states of the church, something that I bring out in my book, The Four Last Things, A Catechetical Guide to Death, Judgment, Heaven, and Hell. You know, there's the members of the church triumphant in heaven, those who have already attained the crown that does not wither, right? Then there's the members of the church militants still fighting the good fight on earth, right? Confirmation made you a what of Christ, Adam? A soldier of Christ, right? So the members of the church militant. And then the members of the church suffering or the members of the church penitent, we forget that title of the holy souls in purgatory. The members of the church suffering or the members of the church penitent in purgatory who are being purified to be able to enter heaven just that, purify, because only absolute purity and goodness can enter heaven with no prior attachment to sin. So for those who experience their earthly death, having already atoned for their temporal punishment due to already forgiven mortal and venial sin that they committed while on earth, they can enter heaven immediately. But for those who die who do not yet have their temporal punishment yet atoned for, for already forgiven mortal and venial sin at the time of their earthly death, then purgatory is where those holy souls go. Now they are assured heaven, right? And we begin this talk of the doctrine of the three states of the church, where we want to focus today on the members of the church suffering or the members of the church penitent. We begin by looking at the beginning of November itself. You know, we begin 
with All Saints Day on November 1st, honoring in a very special way the members of the church triumphant. All Saints Day celebrates all people who already see the face of God in heaven, right? Whether or not the church has formally canonized them or not. In fact, I like to say, Adam, to my hearers, uh, my congregants, I have the virtue of hope, one of the three theological virtues, right? Faith, hope, and charity. I have the virtue of hope that while there are only eight to 10,000 formally canonized saints by the Catholic Church, declarations of such that they are in heaven, these souls are in heaven, I have the virtue of hope that there's more than eight to 10,000 souls in heaven, right? More than just that list of formally canonized. In fact, my virtue of hope expands so much my virtue of hope tells me that the non-formally canonized probably outnumber the canonized. Now, that's not church doctrine, but that's theological conjecture. Because given the history of the world, I have hope that there's more than just eight to 10,000 souls in heaven. So All Saints Day celebrates all people who already see the face of God in heaven, whether or not the church has formally canonized them right? Holy Mother Church celebrates this great solemnity to remind us of all those ordinary men and women who, overcoming weakness and temptation and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in their lives, now share in the glory of Jesus Christ forever. These citizens of heaven are teachers of the Christian faith, guiding us on the path to holiness. Celebrated the day before All Souls Day, okay, November 2nd, the, the commemoration of All Souls, the Solemnity of All Saints on November 1st encourages us to rejoice in the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit throughout all of human history. Champions of love, the saints in heaven already enjoy the eternal happiness of God. The celebration of this great solemnity has ancient, ancient roots. The commemoration of the martyrs began in the early 4th century, and Pope Gregory III chose November 1st as the date of celebration around the year 700. As Catholics, we ask the heavenly intercession of all saints, again, the members of the church triumphant in heaven, and seek to imitate their lives and virtues so that we too might one day contemplate God with them face to face in what's called eternal beatitude or the beatific vision or heaven for all eternity. The souls of the just are in the hand of God, wisdom chapter 3 verse 1 tells us, and as Pope Francis reminds us, holiness is the most beautiful face of the church. Holiness is the most beautiful face of the church, and that holiness begins now. Now, we can die in a state of sanctifying grace, that is, with no known mortal sin on our soul, but yet not yet perfectly purified, right? Okay, because only absolute purity can enter heaven. So on November 2nd, we honor liturgically in a very special way the members of the church suffering, the members of the church penitent, and we carry on that devotionally throughout the rest of November, which we're currently in the midst of. Uh, you know, this is uh, November 15th when this is being taped with you. So on November 2nd, again, we have the example of all holy souls. The members of the church militant ourselves turn toward God in petition on behalf of the members of the church suffering, the members of the church penitent, those departed souls who are assured of heaven, but must first undergo further purification in purgatory to prepare them for the vision of God. Again, the beatific vision, eternal beatitude. We trust in God's mercy, Adam, to deliver these holy souls still detained in purgatory into the joy of his presence through the prayers and sacrifices that we offer up for them in the here and now while still living on earth. 
We remember these poor souls in their need of our aid, confident that they in turn will remember us before God when they come to see his face once they enter heaven. Now, the ancient doctrine of purgatory, which is scripturally based, both Old and New Testament, by the way, is just that, very, very scripturally based, right? We members of the church militant offer prayers or suffrages, sacrifices, and sufferings while we're still living on earth for the benefit of the holy souls in purgatory because they can no longer merit for themselves once they experience their earthly death. Now, can they pray for us? Yes, provided we, members of the church militant, are first praying for them. And I'll wrap up your initial question here with this from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 958, regarding communion with the dead, a holy and pious communion with the dead. Quote, in full consciousness of this communion of the whole mystical body of Christ, the church and its pilgrim members from the very earliest days of the Christian religion has honored with great respect the memory of the dead. And because it is a holy and wholesome or pious thought to pray for the dead, that they may be loosed or freed from their sins, she offers her suffrages for them. That quote from scriptures from 2 Maccabees 1246. Then the catechism ends number 958, Adam, with this beautiful line. I love it. Number 958, it ends with this. Our prayer for them, meaning the prayers of the church militants still living on earth, offered for the members of the church suffering or the church penitent and purgatory, our prayer for them is capable not only of helping them, but of also making their intercession for us effective. Not more effective, implying that they could already have an effective intercessory power for us, even if we weren't praying for them. No. But our prayer for them is capable not only of helping them, but of also making their intercession for us effective. And that's an important doctrine that has to be remembered also. Number 958 of the Catechism. I want to make sure that I'm understanding that correctly, Father. So let's just say that I die today and I am destined for heaven, but I need to do some time in purgatory to be cleansed. I could want to pray for you still living on earth all I want from purgatory and intercede for you. But unless you specifically are interceding for me, my intercession for you from purgatory would have zero effect. That's what you're saying? Well, you're not even able to pray for me, according to number 958 of the Catechism, unless I, as a member of church militant, are first praying for you. And we can pray for the holy souls in purgatory individually, like my deceased mother and father, God rest their souls, if they're there. And if I offer suffrages and prayers for them and they're not there, if they've already entered heaven, God applies my prayers to the souls in most need. That's why when I pray for specific souls by name, maybe lost relatives or friends who have already died, I always add the petition, and Lord, if they don't need these prayers, I ask you through your most sacred heart to offer these prayers to the most forgotten soul in purgatory who has no one to pray for them. But here's the thing, we can pray not only for individual souls, like I just stated, we can pray for all holy souls in purgatory. How about offering a chaplet of divine mercy for the holy souls or a five decade rosary? Our prayer for them is capable not only of helping them, but of making their intercession for us effective. Wow. And so because they can no longer merit for themselves, they can, however, help me in my earthly life that is still on earth living. They can help me if I'm first helping them. 
I have to take a moment to just kind of recollect here. This is, uh, you know, mind-blowing stuff. I, I really love this, Father, because I've never, in, in all of the things I've learned about purgatory and about the last things, you've taught me something new today. This is a teaching that, that I did not know, and I'm very yeah. grateful to know it. Now, you just specifically mentioned the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. That is one prayer that we could offer for the Holy Souls right. in purgatory, and I, I think also right. of the Rosary as another one. What are some of the other things, when we talk about interceding for the poor souls in purgatory, what can we do? Well, there's the 14 works of mercy, seven for the body, seven for the soul that you offer for others still here on earth, but you're doing it with the intention as a suffrage, a good work for the holy souls in purgatory, right? Not for the works themselves, for the charity they help foster. That's important to remember too. How about the three eminent good works, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving? I'm going to fast today for the holy souls in purgatory, let's say. Prayer, fasting, or almsgiving. Uh, giving, uh, going to one of these big surplus stores and buying, you know, 20 packages of diapers and taking it to the nearest birthright clinic for unwed mothers, you know, a form of almsgiving, right? So there's the three eminent good works, prayer, fasting, almsgiving. There's the 14 works of mercy, seven for the body, known as the corporal works of mercy, seven for the soul, known as the spiritual works of mercy. The list is endless, you know, and this is why I think that the church wanting us to realize the communio, the Latin for communion, between these three states of the church, the church triumphant, in heaven, the church militant still fighting the good fight on earth, and the members of the church suffering in purgatory is such an important doctrine. By the way, this three-tiered hierarchy of the church is known as the doctrine, collectively, is known as the doctrine of the communion of saints, a point that we say we believe in every Sunday at Mass when we recite the creed. And I believe in the communion of saints. When we say that phrase in the creed, we're referring to the three states of the church, and that's important to recall as well. I want to thank Father Wade for being with us this morning. And as you heard, the uh, conversation we were just having was recorded on Tuesday morning. And here's a little bonus for you. If you check out the Roadmap to Heaven podcast a little bit later on this morning, there's actually a lot more to this conversation that we didn't have time for in the show here. So you get a little bonus content on the Roadmap to Heaven podcast today. Do be sure to check that out. And I think we uh, we have time for a catechiz question here this morning. So we were talking earlier about the Blessed Mother and the presentation of Mary. And here's a simple uh, question for you. Who are the parents of the Blessed Virgin Mary? Who are the parents of the Blessed Virgin Mary? They are, of course, Saints Joachim and Anne. It took me a while to learn that one. I, I don't know why I never thought of that, but... You know, I, I think of the fond relationship that I had with my grandmother, my, my, unfortunately, my paternal grandparents. My dad's mom and dad passed away before I was born, and my maternal grandfather died while my mom was pregnant with me. But I was always very close with my grandma. And, I, you know, you got to wonder, Jesus being a divine person with a human nature and a divine nature, but with a human nature, if he felt any kinship in, in a way similar uh, that, that I feel for my grandmother, if he felt that for his grandparents. Now, you, we don't know. I don't know. Often, There's probably scripture scholars that know when they died versus when our Lord was born. 
But if nothing else, I, I feel a closeness in a way to my dad's parents and my mom's dad because of the stories that were passed down to me from my parents. And so you got to wonder, did, did the Blessed Mother tell Jesus stories about Saints Joachim and Anne who he knew better than anyone else because he's God, he's, he's a divine person, right? But did, you know, I wonder these things. What was it like in the home at Nazareth? My kids ask me about this sometimes too. Did Jesus have to clean his room? That was a big one yesterday afternoon. Why do I have to clean my room? Did Jesus have to clean his room? Yes. I, I don't know that for sure, but I'm willing to bet that he helped clean at least around the house. So, you know, just a little thing to ponder there. You know, we keep mentioning that Thanksgiving is one week from today. And another thing that I just want to encourage everyone, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but do you have a plan to go to Mass? We were talking with Scott Hahn earlier about Eucharist and how Eucharist means Thanksgiving. Um, We talk about that quite a bit with others. What a beautiful way to start the Thanksgiving holiday. Go to morning mass and then come home and maybe have some breakfast together as the uh, trimmings continue to be trimmed. If, you know, I understand you have to start cooking a turkey by defrosting it a few days ahead of time. So the preparations will have already begun. But start the day with mass. It's a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's not an obligation. And I think that's what makes it all the more special. It's a a free choice. We've got a little bit more Roadmap to Heaven coming up for you here in a bit. We are going to take a break, and then after the break, we'll get you another check of the weather. And the Daily Dose of Encouragement will be coming up after that. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven right here on Covenant Network. don't go anywhere. And actually, really quick, before we go to the break, I just want to remind you of this. Since we're talking about Mary today, when I tell you at the end of the show to pray your rosary today, let's all keep in mind that that's because at Fatima, the Blessed Mother told us to pray the rosary every day. Ponder that while we're in this break. We'll be back soon. The B1 Prayer. Eternal Father, at the Last Supper, your son prayed that all who bear his name might be one send the holy spirit upon us to make us one in christ strengthen our faith in you lead us to love one another unite our service to our brothers and sisters and join us together as we build your church in our midst take away divisions that hinder our unity in christ so we may with one mind and voice as members of one body praise and glorify you Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lord says that we do not know the day or the hour. And just in case today might be the day and this might be the hour, we want to continue our daily dose of encouragement preparing for a good death. Here with us is Patty Schneier. Well, we've been looking at some very practical things all week long to prepare ourselves for that time when we will be face-to-face with our Lord. And this next suggestion actually comes from my son, the priest. He once told us, he said, Mom, most people, they wait too long to call a priest. And I thought, wow, he said, you know, it's much better if the person, your loved one, perhaps maybe you know someone who is in hospice, who is dying. He says, it's much better if the person is still conscious 
can still receive Holy Communion, is still able to swallow and be able to make a final confession. So sadly, most people call a priest when the person is so close to death that those things become very difficult, if not impossible. So of course the priest can still anoint someone, but he said, Mom, it's just, I wish I could tell people, don't wait till the very, 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 very last minute to call a priest. Call when the person is still conscious and can make a final confession. Call when they can still swallow and receive our Lord in Holy Eucharist. Again, it's a practical thing, but when my son told me that, I thought, he's right, and we all need to know that. So I'm just sharing that with you. If you are in that situation right now, don't wait too long. Call the priest. And this goes back to something you said earlier this week. Make that directive known to your loved ones and those who will be responsible for your care. Patty, what a great encouragement for us today. I mentioned at the top of today's show that I had the opportunity to go to the inaugural soccer match in our new uh, Major League Soccer Stadium in downtown St. Louis last evening. And as I was getting ready to go, I was having this great debate with myself. And finally, the voice of reason, my wife chimed in as to what I should wear. And is it cold enough to justify wearing the, uh, as I call them, the snow pants? They're those bib overalls made for cold weather. And my wife finally said, Adam, remember baseball opening day a few years ago when it was in the 40s and you were frigid? the entire time wear the overalls just wear them you'll be warmer you'll be glad you did and throughout the game I had all my gear I had my snow pants I had my hoodie I had my insulated jacket I had my windbreaking layer I had my hat I had my gloves I had all of these things to keep warm I had the appropriate gear well what about throughout the day of prayer do you keep the appropriate gear with you do you carry your rosary with you everywhere you go or do you just have it on the nightstand at home perhaps you keep it in the car so it's ready to go I like to keep mine in my pocket in a little rosary pouch so that no matter where I am I can be ready to pray that rosary. I guarantee you if I would not have worn those pants last night over my regular clothes, I would have been freezing the whole night saying, why did I not bring these pants? Why did I not wear them? I don't ever want to be caught that way saying, why don't I have my rosary with me? I need to pray it now. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. Queen of all saints, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What are you thankful for? That's what we're going to be talking about tomorrow morning on the show. Corey Grizzle and Angela Miller will be with us. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thank you so much for listening to Roadmap to Heaven this morning. And as the Blessed Mother tells us, pray your rosary today.